It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Support for this podcast comes from Microsoft Surface. Now more than ever, you need a laptop that can be as adaptable as you are. Introducing Microsoft Surface Laptop Go. Finally, a premium laptop at an affordable price. Starting at just $549, its light, thin design, vibrant touchscreen, powerful processor, and built-in HD camera and mic turns any room in your home into a classroom, office, or study hall. Available in three amazing colors the whole family will love. Visit surface.com slash laptop go for more details. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. You are locked on Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. I am Daniel Rue, your host, and so happy to bring you your team every day. Wanted to do a special Saturday night edition of this, pretty much no matter what happened in the game, but the Warriors absolutely demolishing the Clippers, 144-98, to certainly made it more necessary than it could have been in a few other circumstances, especially considering the Clippers didn't really look like themselves, and they were only missing Chris Paul in terms of personnel, but Blake Griffin was not all the way back. He's still working his way from a knee injury, and... The Warriors in the first half just pretty much outplayed them, you know, more of a generic good game against an inferior opponent. And then the third quarter happened, and the third quarter was completely ridiculous. Stephen Curry scored 25 points, two more than the Clippers had as a team, as the Warriors outscored them 45-23 collectively and just took the game into overdrive. And I wrote about this a little bit in my piece for The Athletic, which is already up, but the numbers are impressive, and I do not want to do anything to discount them, but it was more impressive to see it happen because it looked more like MVP Steph Curry, if we want to go 2014-15 or 15-16. Either way, it looked more like that than anything we've seen so far this season for more than like a few seconds. You know, like there are there he's had some great bursts. A few seconds is a little small, but like he's had a few nice minutes over the course of it where he's where he'd like a nice step back or something like that. But this was really a whole quarter where he was orchestrating everything, doing what he wanted out there, taking ambitious shots, making ambitious shots, and then also using that to create looks not only for himself but for others. And in that third quarter I'm sure it will be lost in the shuffle because he was five of eight from three and scored 25 points but he was also a perfect three of three inside the arc and also shot four free throws those parts are important in the overall Steph Curry equation as well and I talk about feedback loops a lot in terms of the idea of you know successful offense and successful defense making each other easier depending on which way you want to see it and with Curry the same general concept applies to his overall offensive game the more ambitious he is as long as he's not throwing the the passes that are the bad part of his game that maybe can't be can't be reconciled with all this that's entirely possible he at those more aggressive moments 
can open up other elements of his game and his teammates because opponents have to defend him differently. They defend him differently anyway, but it goes to a different level when he can pull up from 28 feet, from 30 feet. You have to be so much more cognizant of him in transition, and that will inevitably open things up for for other people. I have espoused on various podcasts and in my written work over the years that defense is really about choices. It's about what you what you choose to take away, what you choose to emphasize. And the role of offense is to make the defense's choices as difficult as possible. And what Stephen Curry at his best does is he generally gives the other team impossible choices. And that was why I always believed in the Kevin Durant signing because Durant made those choices even harder as well. And while Durant has been wonderful this season and is a more deserving, at this point, MVP candidate because of his impact on both ends of the floor, Saturday night was another reminder that the Golden State Warriors' ceiling, particularly offensively, but arguably overall, runs through Stephen Curry. That is not in any way saying that other players are not important. Draymond Green was very, very good in this game. Defensively, had a a couple of beautiful stretches, including at the end of the second quarter when he blocked Blake Griffin and then beat him down the floor for a dunk that electrified the crowd and he's had a lot of great moments clay thompson a great player but curry brings something to the table as a primary ball handler as a scorer that nobody else in this team can match because there isn't another stephen curry and the warriors can reach that other level when he is when he is at his best and we haven't seen it that much this year that should scare the rest of the league because the Warriors are so much better. Like, I mean, we saw it even in moments. And you don't want to say that this is some sort of reckoning or this is some sort of awakening for Curry other than in this game because it's every game is a different sample. We need to see it more regularly than this. But it is a sign on that overall path and a, a kind of a, a yardstick that he can still bring this. And idea that I wanted to articulate on the right written work on The Athletic, but I, I think this is probably better for it, is that the biggest piece of value in what Stephen Curry did tonight is that it is a reminder that he still has this in him, that he has that incandescence that was so central to the Warriors winning the title in 2015 and I feel was a big part of what was missing in 2016 after he slipped on Modinus's sweat and had the MCL strain. As somebody who has covered his entire career, I I feel comfortable saying that there was a difference between what we saw before all of that stuff and then what we saw after. And that's not an excuse. That's just saying what I saw. And tonight was not all the way there. I, there were a few things that were looked a little bit a little bit different in terms of the way he was shooting and the mechanisms and just even the confidence. Like he got a lot more open looks during the 25 point quarter than he would sometimes when he would have those crazy 20 plus point. He'd be making a lot of just ridiculous shots and these weren't that ridiculous these were just the the, some of them were but most of them were reasonably good looks by working hard and by getting good screens and everything like that so it's important because knowing that that capability is still there gives a different sense of what the warrior's ceiling is offensively because arguing it in the abstract is something very different from seeing it live seeing it against the team that's trying even if their personnel isn't perfect because Raymond Felton and Austin Rivers are not Chris Paul seeing it is still seeing it and it's notable for that even if for nothing else and I think it's it's notable for other things as well but there are a few other 
elements of this game that I wanted to talk about. Maybe the most interesting component, I arguably, I mean, I, I was fascinated by it, was what I'm calling the alternating custody approach to the second unit. So a big overarching thing that I've talked about on this show a lot is that the Warriors have tried different things in terms of how to handle the unit that starts the second and fourth quarters. It's easiest to say the second unit for that time because Stephen Curry's off the floor. And early in the year, it was Kevin Durant. More recently, after the after the Christmas game and then after the Sacramento game, when Draymond got in foul trouble, it's been Draymond Green in that. And what Coach Kerr did in this game, and I believe he did this in the second half against Charlotte. Yeah, he did in the fourth quarter, was what I'm calling the alternating custody approach, which is the team spends the first half of the second unit time with Dur- with Draymond and then the second half of it with Durant. And what that opens up is the possibility of giving Draymond a little bit more rest and shifting that balance depending on which group looks better, which, whether they need a little bit more offense, whether they need a little bit more defense. It also gives Draymond two rests per half, which is a good thing, something I think most players seem comfortable with, especially considering you get more rest, you know, you get more more in that first couple minutes than you do after that. And just like if anybody else, if you take a little break when you're running, it's two minutes can, the, the marginal effect of the first two minutes is different than three through five or something like that. So I am intrigued to see whether that is something that they're doing moving forward. I thought it worked really well against Charlotte. I wrote about it a little bit in my piece, and I just kind of kept a mental note. I did not expect it to come back this quickly. They did it in the second quarter, and then we didn't get to see it in the fourth quarter because the fourth quarter was all garbage time, and that was the other notable part in that was that Coach Kerr actually went to all bench players for the start of the fourth quarter and continued it. I mean, they were up by plenty, but he still has generally kept someone, Durant, Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, out there. Always good to see that, especially when they have a back-to-back playing tomorrow in Portland, and that will be... It's hard to say any regular season game is significant, but it'll certainly be interesting. A lot of players had really nice games, especially on the bench. Andre Guadalla was on the floor for a lot of the Warriors' best stretches, as he often is, plus 27 in about 24 minutes. JaVale McGee has settled into this role as being the first center, the first big off the bench, and the Warriors know how to use him offensively, and he'll never be perfect defensively, but I've been intrigued that generally Kerr has been more comfortable playing him against maybe the end of the starters minutes and the beginning of the backups at, at the opposing team center, because it's most teams don't have a stretch five and as their starting center, a couple do as their backups, and so that buys him some time in a lineup that Kerr's more comfortable with, and then he can go to typically David West, last couple games, James Michael McAdoo, I feel it should be Kevon Looney, for those other minutes. McAdoo provides energy, and I think he knows the system, but not a whole lot else. He's just not skilled enough, in my opinion, to man that role long term, and I would rather just see what they have in Kevon Looney, especially when the stakes are not that high. McAdoo is not a big, you know, having him is not this big problem. It's not anything like Verjao where I, I have trouble seeing him being a positive contributor. My issue with McAdoo is more that we saw last season that Coach Kerr will go back to his safety blankets if he has to. And McAdoo on big stages against good opponents just is not good enough. So regular season, not a big enough pressure for a team this good to make a big difference. But that is indicative of, of what Coach Kerr thinks. It's indicative of, of the way he's approaching this. And the Warriors can do better either on the buyout market or really whatever. So again, it was another reminder for me that while McAdoo is 
much better than Verizhou. The best case scenario for the Warriors reasonably is to let both of them go if they can get the right candidates in on in the buyout market. Pretty much whatever position they play. If they're a center, great. If they're a one, great, because then you have somebody to, to do it a little bit in garbage time. And if it's a swingman, great. The Warriors still need a little bit of depth there. And then the last point I wanted to make is that we saw a continuation of something that had been true for the last couple games, which is that, at least for right now, Patrick McCaw has supplanted Ian Clark as the shooting guard off the bench. In the first three quarters of this game, Ian Clark did not play. McCaw played 10 and a half minutes. Didn't really impact the game too much during that stretch other than a nice assist where the ball got to him on kind of a scramble play when Curry had already been going crazy. And instead of taking his own open three, he took a dribble in and looked and saw Steph and gave him the ball. I think that was his 23rd, 24th, and 25th points. But a nice piece of recognition by McCaw and the type of play that, that veterans make especially when you have a guy on your team, the star of your team, and a home game that's having a crazy night. So McCaw has done a nice job of what they asked of him. He still is not the same, you know, he's not, he and Clark are not the same players. And at moments, the coaching staff has used them interchangeably, which I find fascinating because that's not really what they are. But when you're asking so little of them, you know, try on defense, make good decisions on offense, try to hit the shots that are open for you. That really is enough. And McCaw's shooting just under 40% from three on the season, though it's a different kind of threes than the ones that Ian Clark takes. You know, you can make an argument. He's definitely better defensively against the mass majority of teams, and the Warriors are betting on his ceiling. They have more of a commitment to him than they do to Ian Clark. Not that I think that is a major consideration here considering the stakes that are involved for the Warriors but it can be on the back burner it can be something that they're thinking about at the same time so we'll watch all of those things moving forward and really where this team wants to go over the next couple weeks because it's pretty clear that they're you know they're at a different level at least for right now with the regular season especially with Cleveland struggling and the Spurs lost a get they lost a game over the last couple days so that makes it more likely for home court it's weird how much I talk about that when it isn't that big a deal but now the Warriors go up to Portland for a weird home road back-to-back then they come home and have another weird home road back-to-back which is Wednesday Thursday and they face the Clippers again a game that will be notable just to see if the Clippers have enough there to bounce all the way back also Blake Griffin will be closer to full strength so that'll be a little less than a week from today I believe it's five days and I don't know that'll tell us a lot I don't know that any regular season game will but still interested in it all the same so thank you so much for listening if you have any feedback on the show good bad or indifferent you can reach out to me Danny LaRue NBA at gmail.com or at Danny LaRue on Twitter I don't believe I mentioned this, actually, now that I'm remembering it. I was thinking of something I tweeted, that the Warriors have outscored opponents by 628 points this season so far. That is the best, biggest point differential at through 47 games in NBA history. That's really impressive. They were, they're the, it's the best differential by a whopping one point over, I believe it was one of the Showtime Lakers teams. Oh, 71-72, pre-Showtime Lakers team. And... That's impressive, you know, whether it continues, whether it doesn't, when you have a piece of NBA history and it's a positive piece of NBA history, still significant. That's enough. Thank you again for listening. Uh, take care and make it a great day. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. 
There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. Hey, Bay Area sports fans. This is Ben Kaspic, host of the Locked On Giants podcast, which should be the next Locked On podcast you fire up in your feed. The MLB offseason is closing in, and I'll have you covered every day, breaking down the rumors, speculation, and transactions that'll shape next year's Giants team. Subscribe to Locked on Giants right now on your favorite podcast provider. This is Josh Lloyd, the host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, the number one fantasy basketball podcast in the world. If you're looking for information regarding fantasy basketball, recaps of the NBA, this is the show for you. We are heading into the offseason and starting to get ready for the 2020-2021 fantasy season. We'll have all the information on what happens through the rest of the playoffs, free agency, the NBA draft, and then heading into a big 2021 season. So make sure you're checking out the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast.